Hi, this is Kalia. And this is Chris. And this is It's, it's a, a Queer, queer thing. thing. On this show, we focus on politics, civil rights, news, and entertainment. And on this show, we have special guests and interviews focusing on issues relevant to the LGBTQ plus community. So let's get to it. Hi, Chris. Hi, Kalia. Miss Metcalf, if you're nasty. Yes. <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. Also answers to the name of Herachick and Steamroller, apparently, for those of I you see. who follow yeah. Kickball. Yay, Kickball. We're okay. six seconds in. Okay. We have right. to get it done out of the way. I know this is, that's why Well, let's get listen. it done. Uh, you guys, we had our first, season, first game of season five last Saturday, and mm -hmm. uh, you guys won your game. Yes, my team. By quite played. a big margin, I must say. Yes, it was a very good game. What it was, was it, 12 to 0? 12 to 4. <laughs> oh, I was trying to build you up a little more. There. No, no, no. The Poppers beat the Bandits, I think, 12 to 0. Oh, okay. We had the fortune of playing a team that was brand new and hadn't actually kind of coalesced yet, but I have mm -hmm. a feeling they were the girly Poppers, and I feel like they're going to be uh, a much stronger team this next weekend. So for those of you who are not in the know, Queer Kickball through Out Loud Sports every Saturday until the middle of March, you come on out to Selma Lane Park. 11 to 2. Chris and James do the color commentary and uh, it's it's great fun for everybody. So come on out and support. My team plays first this weekend. So we get to get there early and put sand out in the field because it's going to be really, really yeah, muddy. I was going to say, <laughs> we might have a tsunami this weekend. So Yeah. Besides kickball, let's talk about something else that's kind of cool that's happened in Fresno this past week. And that would be the town hall that you attended. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is the group that's been meeting for a few months now. I mean, we had our last meeting last night. It's uh, the LGBT coalition is what a lot of us have been calling it. And we met last night because Robin McGee, who is the LGBTQ liaison for the city, is kicking in gear the structure of how the city is going to distribute the $100,000 that they've promised to the LGBTQ community. So last night there were about 40 of us or so. And we met in several groups along the around the night, and we talked about what we thought the most important issues are in the LGBTQ community that people should be behind if they're applying for some of this grant money. So those issues basically came down to mental health, homelessness, the senior LGBTQ community, or the elders, as some like to call them. I don't particularly like that term because I was called an elder in an interview when I was 50, and I, that was was a few years ago. And I won't tell you what how Kalia's face is going on right now. <laughs> and uh, trans youth and education, wh whether that's educating ourselves as a community or educating other people about what the community has to offer. That's all being written up now. And then we're going to vote on which ones we like the best. And from that, comes planning how to have people apply for this money, what the uh, requirements are to apply for the money. And goal right now is to distribute this money in the month of June of this year. So we've got three or four months to go to have to let people know how to apply for it. You know, you're a 501c3. The city gives you $10,000. This is your subject, senior LGBT people, and how you're going to assist them. So it was really exciting. And, and the other thing is we plan two upcoming town halls. And 
and I, I'm not going to give the dates because they're not cemented yet, but two town halls where we invite the entire LGBTQ plus community, not just those people who are involved in this planning, to get together on maybe a weeknight or Saturday afternoon or morning, have some food, little snacky stuff and talk and have everybody in the community who has an LGBTQ organization talk about who they are and what they do so we can all and the community become more acquainted with what's out there and what services are available. Right. And once those dates are set up, we will make sure that we get those shared out to people so that everyone Absolutely. can come yeah. and attend. Very cool. Well, I'm so proud of you for being a part of that. That's awesome. Thanks. You know, it is so important to get involved in local politics, not just, you know, we all we all want to vote and we're going to talk a lot about voting today, but also just knowing what's going on at your city council level and at the school board level and at the county board of supervisors level and, and stuff like that. I think that that is a component that isn't always really focused on in our community. You know, um, a lot of us are like, yeah, we're we're queer or we're gay, we're lesbian, we're bot, whatever we are. But the fundamental day to day is about, OK, where am I going to go to the grocery store? And am I going to vacuum today or tomorrow? And, you know, what school drop off? And do I have the kids lunches? And, you know, oh, what's my 401k doing? So we don't always think about how the minutia of day to day life is affected by the politics and our queerness and our gayness. And I think that sometimes that's a missing component. So I I want to talk now about an interview that we did a couple days ago with Bryce Herrera. Chris, tell tell the people why we interviewed Bryce and also Jen and Dion and and what's what why we've been focused on this. Well, mostly because of the Parents Matter Act that went through the Board of Supervisors recently and they approved and they created a board to basically oversee the public libraries in Fresno and decide which books are offensive and where they should be placed in the library so that crying eyes children who are already supervised by their parents or supposed to be cannot get to them. So that's what ginned up the community to get so angry about what they were doing because most of these books are LGBTQ or people of color related. So why these candidates are all important is because so for so many times, so many years, the Board of Supervisors goes unchallenged. They just, they get elected, they get reelected, nobody bats an eye. And, and, and I have to say, Kaylee and I are in this boat too. The Board of Supervisors is kind of in the background. You don't mm -hmm. really hear about them a lot. You don't think about them a lot, but they have a lot of control over what goes on in Fresno and Fresno County. So Jen Cruz was the first one that decided, and because she spoke up at one of the board meetings, she said, if you don't get better, I'm going to run against you. And damn it, that's what she's doing. She's running against MagSig in District 5. And then now we have Dion Bordes and Bryce Herrera, who are running against Brandau, who was one of the leads of this whole movement and this whole uh, Parents Matter thing. They're running against him to try and oust him. It's crucial. Like Kalia said, we don't think about local politics a lot. We think about the, we got a presidential election this year, the most decisive or the most important presidential election, I would say of our lifetime, but we don't think about the local stuff. The problem is if we don't think about the local stuff, it carries up the ladder. So if we don't think about the school boards and the board of supervisors and the city councils and all this stuff. It just gets worse from there. This is why it's important for not just our community, but anybody out there, liberal minded or conservative, that's not wacky to run for these boards and to get things back in order for the people. Yeah. So we're really lucky that we were able to talk to Dion Bordes a couple months ago on one of our live shows. And we talked to Jen actually also in one of our live shows. We were not able to get Bryce to be on a live show, but we wanted to make sure that we got another voice that's running. So let's go ahead and jump into that interview with Bryce Herrera, who is running in District 2. 
Okay, so we are so excited to talk to Bryce today. Bryce, please tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Hi, everyone. My name is Bryce Herrera, and I'm running for Fresno County Supervisor. I'm uh, not a career politician. I'm a community organizer, a small business owner. So you're running for County Board of Supervisors. Can you tell the people what district you're running for, who you're running to replace, and maybe the district lines so that people know if they're in your area? I'm running in County District 2 for supervisor. We're running against the incumbent. We're running against Gary Bredefeld. I'm the endorsed Democrat in the race. And uh, if you don't know where District 2 is, a lot of it is North Fresno from Shields Avenue all the way to the San Joaquin River. On the uh, west side, you have Golden State Avenue, east side, Minnewawa, 168. Okay. And, and you're, the incumbent is Steve Brandau, right? Right. Yeah, okay. we're, we're very familiar with him after yes. his uh, recent let's make a whole special thing at the library situation yeah. that we've covered on this show. Can I ask of what inspired you to run? Is it, was there a moment where you decided that this is what you needed to do? You said before you're not a career politician. So what caused the shift? I've been inspired for a long time to to be involved with my community. I've been uh, involved with Native American issues. I've helped with spearheading and establishing Indigenous Peoples Day event, which is now a, a tradition in Fresno. I was really impacted by the incumbent's actions during the COVID pandemic. You know, while the supervisors were spreading misinformation and disinformation about the pandemic, I was part of a community volunteer effort to manufacture face masks. And our, our group, the Central Valley PPE Force, if you remember at that time, we uh, we ran out of face masks, we ran out of PPE. And so there was an opportunity for volunteers all over, all over. People were you know, coming together and, and sharing information. Uh, we did a lot of the work in our Facebook group. And, uh, and there was also times when we met in person. But very proud of that project to have led alongside 600 dedicated volunteers who helped make those face masks. So while we were doing that, the the County Board of Supervisors, led by a conservative majority, and a large part of that, Steve Brandau, talked about how, you know, we shouldn't be following the guidance from city agencies, state agencies, federal agencies, the, the CDC. And they made this a point to spread this disinformation. I, I think that it's important that uh, there's a distinction between you know, misinformation, disinformation. Disinformation is conscious effort of someone who knows that what they're spreading isn't fact. Tell me, Bryce, so you, it sounds like to me, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you don't just disagree with Brandau and other people on their opinions of don't get a vaccine, don't do masks, don't do all this, but you feel that they are fundamentally wrong about their approach to this and that you think it's politically motivated. Is that where you're at? Well, I think that there's numerous examples of, of it being politically motivated. You know, take, for instance, the Parents Matter Act. And wasn't that, you know, totally politically motivated mm -hmm. using far right antics to introduce a resolution that created ultimately a censorship a book ban committee? And I think it's influenced by what's going on online, what the far right are saying um, in opposition to what you know us, the, the other side of the aisle, are saying. So let me touch on that. What is your thought as to why they are doing these things? Is it because they really believe this stuff or because 
they're trying to respond to the people online or because they're simply trying to motivate their base? Well, Chris and Kaylee, I, I think that they're so you know invested in getting their message out and um, getting reelected. They they look past the facts and the science and you know what's what's real. And with uh, with with parents matter, I mean it's it's not just ha happening you know in Florida. It's not just happening on the East Coast somewhere in, in Texas. I mean this this is literally here in our backyard. Because we've seen so many examples of that and the, the changing of the curriculum in Florida school districts at the direction of Ron DeSantis. And, and thank God that, you know, he's uh, finally dropped out of the race for president. Uh, but, but now it's here. I, I think that, you know, what people see online and what they choose to share, um, there's all these, you know, algorithms that, that we're dealing with, you know, just because it goes viral doesn't mean that it's factually accurate and we've got to constantly be playing that role as a society of uh, concerned and right right dedicated people so i want to follow up on a couple things that you mentioned earlier you said you were active with the native american community and some initiatives are you native american or is that just a a group of uh, disenfranchised people that you felt called to to help yeah i'm southern patchy and okay. uh, my family's from texas Wonderful. Cool, cool. Very cool. You say that you're a small business owner. Yeah. Can you tell us what, who, what that is, what you do, and how running a business um, has prepared you to be on the County Board of Supervisors? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. My family business is a catering business, and we've been working on this for about six years. We started it while I was at Fresno State. I went to school for business administration and entrepreneurship, so it was kind of like my culminating project of uh, all those years of coursework and training. And, and so now we, we run that. We've employed very talented people and special people, people who we have done our best to uh, take care of by paying above uh, minimum wage in a lot of instances, uh, providing you know opportunities and job training, culinary arts training. What kind of catering do you guys do? We do international cuisines, but we focus a lot on Asian Pacific Islander foods and uh, uh, Mexican, Native American types of foods, American cool. fusion foods. A lot of fun. Very nice. So how is the campaign going? You said that you are the official Democratic Party endorsed candidate for this race. I, can you tell us what's involved with getting that endorsement and what that means to your campaign and how the campaign itself is is running? Yeah, well, I think it's so important to kind of know that there are you know, there's a lot of different options, but I'm the the youngest the Democratic Party of Fresno County's uh, endorsed candidate. And so I'm, you know, I'm running a campaign that's, that follows that Democratic values. And it's very important that, I, that the voters know that we're in this race. You know, such a crucial election, not a cliche at all. This is a critical election. You know, just getting out the vote is important. Getting involved with the process. I know that oftentimes we become cynical and believe that you know, what can I do to, you know, change this course? Well, there's a lot that you can do. I believe that every individual makes an impact overall on the outcome of the electorate as a whole. So how are you getting your message out there? What are what are the tools that you're utilizing to motivate people to know that you're running and that they should vote for you? We're running a, a digital campaign. So you'll see different postings on our social media feeds. Uh, we have a website. We've held you know, meet and greets at the Fresno County Democratic Party. A lot of different opportunities that, that are coming up 
There's a community forum for Fresno County's supervisor, the race, and, uh, and we look forward to that February 6th. So Bryce, let me ask you this. You've never been in politics. This is your first step into politics. Mm-hmm. We have been talking for weeks and weeks, and obviously the LGBTQ community has been talking about this for a long time, of trying to get candidates in the races for school boards, board of supervisors, city councils, et cetera, mm-hmm. that can combat the current glut of conservative people that are on these on these boards and city councils and supervisors, you are not LGBTQ, I'm assuming. Is that true? Um, I consider myself to be an ally. Absolutely. Okay, an ally. That's cool. So you mentioned the Parents Matter Act that we are obviously very um, tuned into. What did you think when the Fresno County Board of Supervisors passed that? And how do you think we solve these problems of the uh, Board of Supervisors, the city councils, and the school boards? Well, it, it all comes down to our participation as a society in, in local politics. You know, we have to believe in our ability to make change individually, collectively. And, uh, and I think when that happens, when we energize folks who feel the same way and who just need to be uh, reminded that their vote counts and um, that it takes all of us to accomplish big goals like this, I think that, you know, when we get involved from the school board level, to the, the county level, to the state and federal level. To sit on the sidelines is, is not going to do us any good. We have to. So basically, we need more people in the community, whether it's the LGBTQ community or whatever community. We need yeah. more people to step up to these boards and panels so that they can have an influence and stop this seemingly unbeatable force of GOPs yeah. and right-wing people that are taking over these boards and city council meetings. That's exactly it. And believe in your ability to to run for office yourself. Get involved. Go to your local county party and um, and see what's going on. There's Can you tell us, Bryce, what that process is, what you had to do to get involved in the campaign? What is the actual process you had to go through to get on the ballot? Yeah, no, there are, there are several steps to getting on the ballot. Uh, the first step is to declare your uh, candidacy and you have to file you know paperwork with the secretary of state, file paperwork with the elections office and if you you know if you tend to raise money for your race which you end up having to to do to be competitive once you once you declare that then you start collecting signatures and and all those signatures have to be verified they have to come from voters who are in the district they live in the district so the campaign you are the youngest candidate has there been any pushback because of that do you feel like being young gives you an edge going against more middle-aged yeah. opponents? Like, Well, no, it, it's definitely been an uphill battle. There's a, I think there's like a, a guiding perception that, you know, before you run for county supervisor, well, you should start at the school board level and then, you know, run for city council and then um, county supervisor. But, you know, I think that we're all taxpayers and that any one of us who can meet the qualifications and the requirements to run for public office should absolutely have access to those opportunities. So how about Brandau and Bredefeld? Are they aware of you at this point? I, I'm sure they're aware of our campaign. We haven't spoken um, directly. I, I have nothing against anybody who's running. I, I you know, I, I look highly upon anyone who, you know, enters this field and has a, a, a passion for improving our community. I think that we have differences about how we accomplish those goals, but I think uh, it's important. So what are some of your goals that things that you would want to make sure get done if slash when you win this seat? Well, we have a lot of priorities. And top priority for Fresno County and for the nation as a whole is is housing. We have a, a housing crisis where you know half of 
residents can't afford their monthly rent. Mm -hmm. and we have to do a better job of providing incentives to developers and community builders so that so that rents are uh, stabilized. Yeah, because they've really gone up in Fresno County. 43%. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, you know, wages haven't kept up with those costs increasing. So we need affordable housing. And when it comes to the issue of homelessness, we have unhoused population that deserves to be treated with decency, dignity, and respect. I think there's been a lot of commentary around that. So we, we need to treat all people the same way. Okay. And I, I think that I know your answer, Bryce, but what is your statement to the LGBTQ plus community about how you, if you are elected to the board of supervisors, how you will support them? What do you think are the issues that you need to stand up for in the LGBTQ plus community? Like I said, I'm an ally of the LGBTQ plus. I've been an ally for a long time. I worked at Fresno State in the Cross-Cultural and Gender Center, and uh, I worked for the Native American Programs and Services portion of the Cross-Cultural and Gender Center. So uh, I believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Flipping the county blue is our priority. Okay. And issues concerning the LGBTQ, issues that you know I intend to prioritize as the representative. We appreciate that. I want to give you a chance to promote an upcoming event. You said that there is an event on the 6th. Is that an event where anybody could show up and get a chance to meet you and, and listen to you talk? Or is that more of a private event? Yeah, that'll be a community forum that Fresno Land and KVPR, League of Women Voters, and CMAC are hosting. Okay. And it'll be at Hyatt Place. There will be some information on our Facebook page, Bryce Rowe for Fresno County Supervisor District 2. <laughs> well, that leads me perfectly into my last question, which is, can you tell us about the social media handles that you have? Are you on Instagram? You just said mm -hmm. Facebook and you said you had a yeah. website. So here's the time to drop all those handles. Tell us where we find you, Bryce. All right. Well, you can find me on Instagram at Bryce A. Herrera. You can find our campaign social media on Facebook, Bryce Herrera for Fresno County Supervisor District 2. We have our campaign website, HerreraForFresno.com. If you want to send us a message, you can call us at 559-579-7739. Call, text, anytime. You can also send us a message at contact at HerreraForFresno.com. And tell us again when the election is. The election is Tuesday, March 5th, 2024. That's right. Okay. And as we often say on the show, feel free to vote ahead of time. Vote by mail. Just vote. Vote by mail in your underwear, <laughs> people. Come on. It's easy. Vote, vote, vote. Yes. Let's get out the vote. Exactly. Well, Bryce, thank you so much for taking the time thank to you. talk to us. And we wish you all the best on your campaign. Thank you both. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Bryce. All right. So thank you, Bryce, for that interview. We want to interview anybody, all everybody who's running for local public office, local public boards and councils. We want to talk to you because we want to know how you feel about not just the everyday issues, but the LGBTQ plus community. But I think it's really important that we all remember that LGBTQ people are people and we have the same issues that everybody else has. We care about infrastructure. We care about taxes. We care about what goes on in the schools because we have kids. We care about all that. Stuff. Yep. And just to reiterate that the election is on March 5th, you can drop your ballot off early starting pretty soon. Actually, I've got a whole list of fun and exciting dates to share with you guys. So just so you know, though, if you need to check and find out if you are registered and where you're registered and where your polling place is, you can do that at 
voterstatus.sos.ca.gov. And right there, you can find out if you're registered, what your political party is. And that matters for stuff like the primaries, because certain political parties are have limited what you can and can't vote for. In this case, you need to know what district you're in, which I have to embarrassingly admit I didn't know what just district right. I was in. Well, and you will be getting your sample ballots in the mail. I got mine today. Supposedly, they're all supposed to be mailed out by the 5th of February. So if you don't get your sample ballot by the 10th, that you definitely need to call and uh, or go online to make sure and figure out why. And inside your sample ballot, it'll give you your ballot and it'll have your district and who you're voting for. But it's important to note that, you know, Costa is running and there's a state senator. I mean, this is a big election, not just for local, that for our whole state. There's also some measures and stuff. I'm going to touch on those in a second, but I want to give you some important dates. So February 5th is when all of the uh, things should be out. You can start voting by mail as soon as February 5th, going through the, the 27th. February 6th is when the drop boxes open. February 19th is the last day to register for this election. Okay, so that's important. If you go on and you figure out that you're not registered or you think for a second, oh, maybe I'm not, make sure February 19th, that is your last day. The last day to request a vote by mail ballot. So if you are registered, but you usually vote in person and you really want to vote like Chris does in his underwear, you, you can request that vote by mail ballot. And the last day to do that is the 27th of February. And then, of course, Election Day, like we have said, ad nauseum, is March 5th. And remember, it's not just important that we vote in the big elections like the presidential elections or the Congress elections. We need to vote in the off-season elections like this because, like we said, this is what trickles up and this is what matters. Right. So there's a couple of measures on the ballot this time around. Measure A has to do with whether or not we will be voting in our new sheriff and district attorney as part of the, the new system that was implemented implemented a couple months ago by Gavin Newsom or not. So it matters because it matters how long the sheriff and the district attorney have their spots, if they're only going to be for four years or if they're going to go to six years. And that that matters. So that's measure A. There's also measure B, which also has to do with the County Board of Supervisors. It'll allow them or give them the power to name or change the name of geographic features and place names within the county. So that's that's a big deal. Giving the power of uh, just a couple people to change names. This is which one? Measure? That's Measure B. So you might have opinions on that. Also, uh, the mayor. is. There's an election for the mayor. Are you going to vote for the incumbent, Jerry Dreyer? Are you interested in voting for somebody else? Then there's also, you know, a tax thing that has to do with whether or not we're going to give more money to Fresno State. And then, like I said before, there's the the state senators and uh, and you know our our good and wonderful friend Joaquin Arambula is on my ballot. I'm very excited to vote for him for District 21. So there's a lot going on, and it's worth checking out your sample ballot. And Ballotpedia is also a good place to get all the information about what is going on. So there you go. Get out and vote. That's my pitch. <laughs> get out and vote. Absolutely. All right. So I, with all this voting, I saw this great, great story today about the Oregon Supreme Court. They ruled against GOP senators who staged a weeks-long walkout. This was Measure 113, a voter-approved 2022 law that meant to dissuade lawmakers from walking out and shutting down the legislative process. So it passed. And then we had a massive walkout in Oregon by 10 Republican senators, one third of the Senate. And what this said is that if they miss a certain amount of time, then they can't 
uh, apply for re-election. And the problem with this was there was some strange wording on it, and they didn't know which election it meant because these senators were suing. They're like, we want to run again. And the state Supreme Court stepped up and said, no, you cannot run again because the intent of this initiative was that if you miss these days, you, you can't come back into the next election. So 10 senators in Oregon are restricted. Some have already left. They're restricted from going back and reapplying. I think this is a great thing. And we always think about how dysfunctional Congress is. And we all know how dysfunctional Congress is on both sides, not just on one side. I've always said we need to have term limits in Congress, strict term limits. I don't think, and and I've talked to Kaylee about this because we ran a nonprofit together. I don't think anybody should be in power for, let's just say two terms, whatever that is for whatever organization, because you need new blood. And once people become in power for too long, they get, they like the power. And they take advantage of it. Yeah. So I think I personally think in Congress, it should be four terms, maybe two to four terms. And then that's it. What that also does is that incentivizes politicians to do their best work while they're in office instead of just making it a career where they can be elected over and over and over for decades and just have a career and not be obligated to have any legacy. They don't have to do anything. They basically got it for a career. So um, these 10 senators in Oregon are out. And from now on, if you miss more than 10 days, unexplained absence is what they call it, 10 days, (laughs) you cannot go back and run for re-election. That's great. And I guarantee you that's putting a fire under these people in Oregon. And I I like what you said about the career politicians. I think we talked to Jen about that too last month, about the difference between somebody who's feeling drawn to do something to make a a positive impact in their community. Yeah, a difference versus somebody who's like, well, this is a good job and it's with the city and there's a pension and there's a paycheck and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And you and I, like I said, you and I know from running a nonprofit, we got into it because we were passionate about it and we wanted to help people. And I hope a lot of people get into it for that reason. But we've also seen some local nonprofits, people get into it just to be able to raise money to do whatever they want with because they're not watched as closely as they should be. Also, speaking of the Supreme Court, this is the, the federal Supreme Court. On Monday, they set March 26th as the date for oral arguments of how patients can access misappropriation. Mr. Prestone, I can't say the word. Mifeprestone. 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 Yes. So that is the medical abortion pill. This matters because this is less than two years after, you know, the Dobbs decision, Roe v. Way, and it could affect whether or not you could actually get Mr. Prestone. Mifeprestone. Basically, you might not be able to get it. Don't get miffed, Kalia. It's Mifeprestone. Mifeprestone. That's it. Yeah. Mifeprestone. Basically, though, right now, even if you live in a state where you can't get an abortion, you can still get it through the mail. So it might not be able to get mailed to you. The FDA might pull back its approval of it. Like this is a big deal. And it's going to happen. And this has been approved for how long has this been approved for? 25 years? Yeah, it's it's a long time. So it's it's a it's a case worth watching. And we will be following that story. And it's FDA approved. That's the thing. It's FDA approved. And And suddenly they're deciding that it shouldn't be FDA approved. Exactly. So we will keep an eye on that. But also coming up. So before that, we already talked to James last month about Valentine's Day. But, you know, Valentine's Day is a big deal. We're going to talk some about Valentine's Day a little bit more. Chris, how are you going to celebrate Valentine's Day this year? Alone. I'm going to celebrate it alone. <laughs> I'm always okay, alone. T- on. But explain why so that the people don't get worried about <laughs> I you I am James. alone on Valentine's Day because... For the two weeks prior to Valentine's, it's going to start next week on Monday. 
for the two weeks prior to Valentine's Day, James Hensley, my husband who runs DNL Floral, works I don't know how many hours a day, every hour during the day. He's hardly ever home. I go he he leaves in the morning before I go to work and I go to bed before he comes home. And Valentine's Day, he's gone the entire day, way into the night. So I won't see him. For that reason, we always do something the weekend after Valentine's Day. So we're doing something. We're taking a trip this year. But yeah, I'm just alone on Valentine's Day and I'm trying not to tear up about it. What are you doing, Kalia? Well, it's a Wednesday, so I will probably be at kickball practice. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know you have some obligations on Valentine's Day, right? Uh, yeah, to kick well and to work <laughs> on my scoring ability. No. Um, and then the weekend, actually, I'm going out of town to see Madonna with my sister. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's, that's going to be a fun, we don't really do Valentine's Day. It's not. Really and a lot fun. of people do, especially if it's in the middle of the week, they'll do the weekend before the weekend after. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, there's a fair number of people who just don't bother to celebrate Valentine's Day at all. So, yeah, you know, James and I, I think like, I don't know, three or four years ago, we never go out on Valentine's Day, obviously, because he's working, but it was the weekend. I don't know. I think it was on a Monday and we decided to go out to dinner on the weekend before. Oh my God. We went to eight restaurants and we (laughs) couldn't get into any of them. Yeah. We ended up picking up fast food and going home because you just can't get into a restaurant. So make your reservations now, people. Well, and speaking of a restaurant that would be a good place, a great place to go for Valentine's Day, if if you want to call ahead and get that reservation, we have a great interview coming up. Chris, tell the people who we're about to show our interview with next. We are going to talk to Rocco from Ovidio's Italian Restaurant here in Fresno. Rocco's a friend of, of mine and James, and we've known him for years, and we enjoy this restaurant, and we thought it would be a really good opportunity to highlight another LGBTQ owned and managed business, as well as what they do on Valentine's Day and every day. It's a great restaurant let's let's do the interview all right so this is chris here and i'm with my husband james who's sitting in for kalia who can't be here uh, for this interview james say hello hello everybody and we are here to talk to rocco from ovidios rocco tell us who you are and what you do i'm rocco Paolilli. i'm owner and uh, operator of ovidios italian restaurant in Northwest Fresno, California. My family has been in the restaurant business for now 44 years at the southwest corner of Bullard and Marks. Wow. And uh, yeah, we just celebrated 44 years in December. So, um, and your family has had it the whole time? Yes. My parents are the founders. My father's name is Frank, and my mother's Virginia. They started uh, December 29, 1979. That's actually before I was born. Oh, right so, before New Year's Eve, they started. Huh? <laughs> yeah, well, they got they had to make their money right on New Year's Eve. You know, it's, yeah, it's, an, it's another uh, popular holiday for the restaurant business. So um, <laughs> they they got in before New Year's, and they've been going strong ever since. And I've been now working with my family for about 21 years um, since I was at Fresno State. And you are the general manager of the restaurant, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. And has it always been in that location? Always been in our location. Yes. And Give us the uh, address, we, Rocco. We are at 3097 West Bullard Avenue. James and I love the restaurant. Uh, oh, thank you. Yeah, Absolutely. many times we had James's birthday party there. And I've been able to help you guys, which is an honor to do so. I appreciate it. Okay, that was an amazing evening, my birthday. Uh, it was my, my 60th, and I, I didn't want it to be anywhere else. And you and your staff provided the best atmosphere 
and service and put up with, I think it was about 14 of our friends yeah. and I. Your fa- fabulous friend. Absolutely <laughs> fabulous. They, <laughs> they, they were, were chosen they, for they a reason. They were fabulous friend. <laughs> it, was, it was the perfect yes, evening. That's and a, That's important. You, you guys important. made it so special. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, we love, you know, that's our passion. I don't, I don't like to say it. It's a, it's a job or a career. When you're in the restaurant business, it's, it's truly a passion. And if it's not, then you're definitely not going to succeed. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, Cause it's nonstop pretty much. Oh, right? it's, it's 24, you know, it's 24 seven. I am my, some of my prep cooks are coming in at seven in the morning that closes sometimes between 11 and 12 o'clock at night. There's, Somebody in the restaurant, I would say 12 to 15 hours out of the day, if not longer. When I leave at nighttime, I say goodnight and get some rest because tomorrow's another day. And so, and are you guys you know, open seven days a week? So, we are now currently open six days a week. We are closed on Mondays. We are open Wednesday through Saturday for lunch. We uh, start about 11.30. We run continuously. And then Tuesday through Sunday, we are uh, dinner. All of our hours are on our website, which is ovidiofresno.com. We also do banquets. We have a beautiful banquet facility, which can accommodate up to about 80 people such as, you know, birthdays, showers, wedding rehearsals, graduations, anniversaries, etc. And you guys do catering too, don't you? Yes, we also do catering. We run like five businesses out of one location. <laughs> uh, yeah, we do catering. Not the full service, but we do, do party trays, like your at-home caterings and office luncheons, and also... Um, you know, I mean, I've done a catering all the way up to like 250 people. So, but they can't do it at location. So we supply the, the party trays and food. Okay. Now your, your pastas and sauces are all, I, I don't want to say homemade, housemade. Uh, um, yes. You you don't buy, like some restaurants skimp and buy pre-made sauce, pre-made pasta, everything. I've always enjoyed the fact that everything in your restaurant is as fresh as fresh can be. Yes and no. Let me clarify a little bit of that. <laughs> some, all of our sauces, yes, are made in-house from our red sauce. That's my my parents' recipe, the Alfredo sauce, pesto sauce. We uh, bake our bread fresh daily. Uh, we do all of our soups in-house. Um, we do a lot of our butchering of our meats. We do, we're one of our few locations that still carries veal, uh, lamb products. We do all of our cutting of that um, in-house. We don't necessarily make all of our pastas. Pasta is quite a time-consuming product. We source out our dry pastas from a company from the Bay Area, delivers us our pastas directly from Italy. Um, And then our fresh frozen pasta, as far as like our raviolis and some our lasagna sheets. My cousin has a uh, pasta factory in Fresno. So they're locally made and those are all locally sourced here from Fresno. Um, But the pastas we don't necessarily make. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not a liar. I don't, I want to be be transparent about that. But But you source um, them from a very good source, right? Yeah. Yes. They're all top quality. And 
that's been definitely my parents' number one motto since I've, you know, learned and taken over the business from my parents is, you know, you have to, number one is quality, best quality tomatoes and, and pastas and meats and cheeses. And, and then number two is definitely consistency. The way it tasted 40 years ago, I hope it tastes the same today, you know, if not better. So, so does that mean that these are all family recipes or? These are all family recipes. Yes. My dad had, was the uh, definitely the executive chef of the restaurant. He still comes in about four days a week and oversees operations with the kitchen. Um, I also do that in partnership with, you know, running the everyday operations. But yes, freshness and quality, that's that's our number one motto. James, what are your favorite dishes? Uh, well, I, I love the manicotti. I, your lasagna is exemplary. I mean, it just, I, I love the manicotti at your restaurant, I, the lasagna. I, I love a really good Alfredo sauce that tastes fresh and bright. Too often I find when I try a restaurant that's supposedly Italian in nature, Alfredo sauce can be really heavy, but yours is so light and you can taste the elements in it. And it's just amazing to me. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's funny you bring up like the manicotti. We actually do all the assembling of the manicotti. So that's a ricotta filled uh, pasta Mm -hmm. dish. And we do all of the ricotta, the spinach, the egg, the Parmesan cheese. We do all that assembly and then we stuff them into the pasta sheets. Same thing with the lasagna. We do all the assembly. So ground beef is cooked, you know, ricotta cheese is seasoned, mozzarella is shredded in house, Parmesan cheese. And then all of those elements are all, you know, assembled in house. Um, with our homemade red sauce. So it's basically, uh, I mean, I would say it's 98% homemade in-house, you know, but. um, Well, you guys, you know, you guys inspired me. We used to eat, when we used to eat pasta at home years ago, it was always canned sauces and we still do a sauce once in a while, but I love to make my own sauce now. I decided I'm just going to learn how to make pasta sauce. So I've been doing that. Well, Um, we've been fortunate to be friends on Facebook and and, uh, social media. So yeah, I see you when you, when you're brewing up your pot of pasta sauce. Yeah. Sauce. It looks I, sh- I should weigh about 300 pounds. So. <laughs> I, I do weigh about 300 pounds. So anyway, don't, no. don't, 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 no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, no, it's, it. I mean, every culture has its, its passion. You know, I'm just, I'm just blessed to be Italian. What can I say? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, I think Italians have a, a, a greater appreciation and other cultures do as well but there's something about that italian culture of appreciating all the fresh ingredients and the nurturing of something that yeah when when somebody says oh i can make it a, a really good spaghetti sauce in an hour and i'm like no you can't because oh, no. you have to give it time to <laughs> simmer and set and different regions of italy you know of course have different sauces and different ingredients i i was so surprised when i learned from a woman in little italy in Cleveland that she was like, you put cinnamon in your spaghetti sauce. And I was like, yeah. cinnamon? And That's she an said, Ohio thing, yeah. It, yeah, she said <laughs> it cuts the acid down a little bit. And she goes, not a lot, but just a touch. It does make a difference. And it's a, that's more of like a Sicilian kind of, as I've gotten older, I've kind of studied now the different cuisine, the different regions of Italy and, and how they prepare the different sauces where like Northern, like you said, Northern Italian is more the cream sauces, the 
butter sauces, and that comes with the um, the climates of northern Italia of Italy and like their agriculture. With the boot being larger, they have products that come more from a cow. Where right. my um, my region is more central southern Italian, and we do a lot with lamb. So we get the pecorino cheese and the you know sh- sheep's milk, goat's cheese, things like that comes more from the south of Italy. So it, it's it's been fascinating now as I'm an adult to kind of study the different cuisines and and regions of Italy and and explore that. Yeah, um, I didn't know how varied it was, and then I watched Stanley Tucci's uh, oh, CNN series. Oh my gosh, fa- fabulous, fabulous! Yeah. yeah, no, he he really took it to another level, and um, I've been Needless fortunate to say to... we bought the cookbook. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's really you know I mean all those people are are pioneers, you know, like Stanley Tucci and. Giada de Laurentiis. I mean, they've really brought Italy to a new light for all of us. I say when I hit that million dollar lotto, I'm going to buy that flat that Giada used to oh, do yeah. her, her in Florence. And then That's you guys will come, to, come visit my uh, Robert, my husband and I. That's there. a deal. For sure. <laughs> it's a deal. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I think it's the best Italian restaurant in Fresno, everybody. there's All right. So, so I want to ask you um, as a gay man, tell us if you. that's been any issue for you at all. Um, you know, as I was younger, because I, I was kind of a little late as a bloomer when I came out, I was uh, in my late 20s. And um, I was kind of apprehensive, obviously, you know, timing also, and times were different back then. But um, I'm just really transparent. Um, As you guys know, you I think we can say we're friends. And so you know who I am. I I don't bring too much. (laughs) How should I say? But uh, I mean, I I, I am who I am. And I, I, you know, as a as a gay man, I'm I'm very proud of it now. And I and you're are you married? You're married? Yes, we are married. My husband and I have been together for 10 years. Yeah, I, I, as a gay man in Fresno, I haven't seen any real you know, problems with that. I, I, my clientele respects me, I think beyond our sexuality and as a person and, and I respect them likewise. So I um, I was going to say that, that, you know, when I come into the restaurant, whether to pick up or to have dinner there and we see each other, we always give each other a hug. We always say hi to each other. And I think that one of the strengths that I see in you as, you know, as the owner manager of the the restaurant, your sexuality is just a part of who you are. It's not Mm -hmm. something that comes into play all the time, but it's just, a part of who you are and I, I, I respect that because you don't hide you don't shut yourself down you just say this is who I am and and move on yes I, I agree you know just any couple would come in I respect them and I just you know I think we deserve as human beings I think respect is kind of what we're losing a little bit yeah. um, but I mean if everybody just kind of respected each other as a as a whole I think our, our we might be in a better place in the world you know but um, and that's kind of what I've been taught growing up especially with my culture too it's just about respect you respect people for who they are and uh, <laughs> and not for maybe their sexuality their race I mean it's it's definitely beyond that they're you know so person is definitely much more than than that if you get to know them i think on a personal level so yeah it's 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 gotten tough the last couple of years oh, it, it's going to be tough this year too 
It, it definitely will. Yeah. So, so, I, so I agree. I agree with what you say. I was I was raised and taught. My father was in the military, and we moved all over the world all the time. And we were just taught to look at the person next to you with respect and see how they treat you, and you treat them with the respect. And it doesn't yeah. matter what their religion is, what the color of their skin is. Yeah, at that point, when I was growing up those many years ago, of course, sexuality was not something we discussed. But he came around eventually, and he even said it would be much better if people just looked at each other and found out who each other was without trying to label, without trying to classify. I think that's that's a great thing to to look at. My parents were, you know, they were a little bit, um, they were a little bit shocked, you know, when I first came out, I was, I was the first in my family, I have a large Italian family, and I'm still kind of to this day, the only one in my family who is, who's labeled as, you know, as a gay man. And, um, but my family has just obviously grown to take, you know, love me for who I am. Um, and there's been no problems. They, they love and appreciate my partner, Robert. And, um, and that's, that's the way it's, that's the way we continue it. it. And it should be, it should be. Absolutely. And if, you know, and I, I kind of, also said if you know the world is large it's not your view then you know there's a million other restaurants to go to uh, i mean i can't let one person ruin my day you know yeah, so, absolutely uh, absolutely I mean, I value myself on being you know successful because of my product and my um hospitality so that's first and foremost for the restaurant and and uh, who i am is who i am and i'm very proud to call myself a you know an italian gay man so all right so valentine's day is a couple weeks away what do you got you guys have something going on yes we do so we're gonna be rolling out a special valentine's day limited menu we'll have a variety of pasta dishes kind of our most popular dishes we usually run about eight to ten of our top selling dishes have some great cocktail specials champagne you know all the essentials to make your your significant other loved, feel loved. That's what Valentine's Day is about, right? Right. And obviously <laughs> people are going to need reservations. Are they still going to be able yeah. to walk in on that day? Yeah. Or? Uh, yes, walk-ins are accepted, but we do recommend reservations. We will be closed. We'll keep our regular business hours of being closed on Monday, which is the 12th. So Valentine's Day is kind of the weekend before, weekend after. Uh, will oh, be yeah, regular. Yeah. will be regular menu, but uh, Valentine's Day will be the limited menu. But uh, reservations are uh, recommended because we will be serving from our restaurant side and our d- additional banquet room will be set up for diners. But um, we do any kind of parties from two and we have a even on our books right now, we have some Valentine's that just for lovers. It's for families and friends. So we, we do accept um, large reservations, too, if people are interested in coming with their families or a group of friends we can accommodate yeah we can we have a couple eights and tens on our reservation books already love is love (laughs) we need to we we need to respect love for all shapes and forms again i want to tell people listening out there that this is the best italian restaurant (laughs) in town bar none trust us on this one and i don't say those kinds of things lightly i'm not one of those people that says everywhere i go that was the best no ask james i'm very critical so you guys the food is amazing the staff is amazing everything so tell us again where you are how people find you online fabulous so our website is ovidiofresno.com 
We are located on the southwest corner of Bullard and Marks. Um, our address is 3097 West Bullard Avenue. And our phone number is 559-435-1396. Uh, and our doors are always open and ready and to- Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff? Yes, all of them. Facebook, Instagram, website. All we the have stuff a, we all have to all, do now, right? <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah, but it's good. Social media, we do videos and all of our food pictures we have on our Instagram, which is great because- a lot of people nowadays, they'll look on our Instagram and then they'll see something that they love and they come into the restaurant and they're like, we want this. And I'm like, okay, easy. <laughs> give, it, give me 10 minutes and I'll have it out your yeah, table. I'm, and, on, uh, I'm yeah. on keto right now and your pictures on Facebook are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and that's another thing for people to know too, as, as dietary needs have changed over the last few years. It's a it's a real big question that people ask. We do have a I'm happy you brought that up. We do have gluten-free pasta. We are pretty knowledgeable on on uh, all kinds of dietary needs, vegetarian, vegan, celiacs. So we do have different forms to accommodate people, you know, the best of our knowledge. So again, we're like we said since everything's primarily made in-house and uh, everything is done fresh. I mean, if you come in and tell us, you know, I just want pasta with olive oil and garlic and grilled chicken, we could do that. You know, okay, that, cool. that's a, I've, I've learned a lot about the dietary needs of different people. And so I've not I've uh, given that knowledge to my staff to help people along with what they need. And yeah, and I mean, everybody thinks Italian food is just pasta. Right, right, true, true. There's lots of elements. I mean, we make great proteins. We have a fabulous ribeye steak on our menu. Uh, all of our vegetables are fresh. We'd get two orders of vegetables brought in weekly. So our salads, our lamb. So it's not just about pasta. Pasta is it's the best part of the Italian cuisine. Yeah. And yeah, in my yeah. opinion, if I could eat if I could eat pasta three times a day and actually fit through a door still, I would do it. Oh yeah, um, me, too. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I'm blessed to go to Italy. I've been in Italy quite often, especially with Robert. And I mean, I'm like, Can I have pasta for lunch and dinner? And he looks at me <laughs> sometime and I'm like, Well, we're in Italy. Do as the Italians, right? Yeah, but, you um, just walk a little. <laughs> right. Well, I walk a little longer tonight, but yeah. But we can definitely can handle any dietary needs that people may have too. All right, great, Rocco. Well, we really thank you for being on the show, and we uh, really thank you for having that restaurant, honey. It's yeah, just amazing. You. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, my friends, and uh, it was wonderful to join you today. I, I really appreciate it. All thank right, you. we'll talk to you soon. Well, thank you. Okay. We wish you the best. Grazie, mille grazie. Okay. Bye bye. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. That was a great interview. I was so sorry to have missed it, but I do want to let you finishing my lasagna right now. I'm not done yet. <laughs> I want to let everybody know that when they referenced James's birthday party with those fabulous friends, I was one of those fabulous friends. I just, you I just were. I felt like I was very important. <laughs> and Mario Cantone was there too. And yeah, it was a... a little special video message for James. It was a really nice. That was night. a good night. Yeah, and they that it, it's a great restaurant. It's a great restaurant. So. It's interesting because, as you heard in that interview, he was talking a little bit about the different kinds of food in different parts of Italy. And you may or may not know that, you know, uh, uh, that there's all these different kinds of food in Italy. I was vaguely aware of it, but I, of course, because I'm a nerd, I like to look things up. So I looked things up. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> I know. This is fun. So in the, the we're going to start at the very northernest part of Italy, and that is um, Lombardy. The capital city is Milan, and they are known for, do you know what the most northern can, Italian region? Can I go grab my Stanley Tucci cookbook? Because I would be able no. to tell you. That. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, I will Milan just, um, fish. It's a risotto is what one of their okay. most things. Okay. Love risotto. So, yep. Yeah. Hey, so how about in the next, we're going to move on down. So in Bologna, uh, the next. Can part, I at least pull up a map of Italy here? You um, can do that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> the next part is Bologna is uh, the capital is Bologna. It's the vast wealthy region of Northern Italy is rich in well, meats. Bologna. And, I was going to say meats. Yeah. Yeah. Super eggy pasta. And they, so they are, they are known for their tortellini and bolognese sauce. Love bolognese sauce. It's easy to make people. It takes time, but it's great. We move on down to Tuscany. The capital city is Florence and they are very famous for, well, a few things specifically. Pasta. Well, everybody's famous for pasta, but they. Um, no, that's not true in Italy. I thought that too, but some places in Italy, it's the pasta, pasta takes the back seat. They are very famous for their Chianti wine, for their steak mm. alla Florentina, and mm. pecorino cheese. Pecorino, pecorino, pecorino. cheese. Yes, love. So then we keep going down. We got Lazio, the capital city of Rome. They are famous for bruschetta, spaghetti mm. alla carbonara, and mm. artichokes alla Roma. Oh, okay. those are all good. Then we keep going down. We get down into Naples. What is Naples famous for? What have Fish. we not said? <laughs> no. Naples is famous for it. Well, it, seafood. Well, on the fertile volcanic soil, it says. Here. Oh, tomatoes. Yes, and eggplants and peppers. So pizza. Yeah. San Marzano tomatoes. And calzone. That's what they're Calza, famous. Yeah, yeah. We keep going down. We got Sicily in their capital is Palermo. They are uh, famous for their veal marsala. So mm. there you go. So lots of good, yummy food. I'm sure if you went in there to Avito's that you could talk to Rocco and be like, give me something from Tuscany tonight. And I'm sure. Oh, yeah. If you, in the interview, he's, he went over some of the regions. He's yeah. very knowledgeable. And yeah. And, and and if you any of you have ever, like I mentioned in the interview, if you ever watch Stanley Tucci's show on CNN about Italy, he visits the different regions and talks about the food in every region and the culture and the people is very, very interesting. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So have you heard what's going on with the moon? The moon is shrinking. Yes. It's shrinking. It's cooling and shrinking. <laughs> so I heard this story this morning before I go to work and I'm like, all right, what? So I waited and they came on and it, it I forget the ratio that they're the, the what it had shrunk from too but they said over a million years yeah, yeah. i'm like so i'm not too worried about that no but it is funny it went from being a grape to being a raisin apparently is, is one of the things i read so that's <laughs> well I've, I've been there sometimes <laughs> happens to the best of us okay moving along i actually heard that on tiktok this morning and that's why i had to share it but also here's an interesting thing on tiktok and it's going to segue into something i know you want to talk about so they just there's a thing going on on tiktok right now which if you know you know there's music and you can put music in your videos but as of today thursday the first of february if the music you want to put in your videos is from the united music group umg then you can't use it anymore. So UMG oh. does not have a basically a contract with TikTok anymore. So all the UMG music has been taken down. And that includes people like Drake and Taylor Swift. So you can't put a Taylor uh, Swift song, oh. no Taylor Swift song in your TikTok videos right now. 
because Taylor, Taylor, Taylor. You can't put Taylor Swift's music in your TikToks right now, but they are working on figuring out that contract. You can still put lots of other music in and people in the know say that they are confident that there will be some kind of deal reached in the next couple of weeks. So we'll just kind of have to see what happens at TikTok. So previous to this, you could pick songs from those artists and put it in your video and it wasn't mm-hmm. copyright infringement? No, because it's part of the little like store thing. You you can choose it and, and slide it in. They have agreements and they get TikTok pays them. Oh, I see. So it's kind of like an ASCAP license in a way. Okay. Yeah. All right. That. So yes, Taylor Swift is in the news, not just for being a fan of a particular football player, but also because of her music. But I know you want to talk about Taylor and her. She's football. a government psyop. She's a plant. She has she has been planted by the government over a decade or so. I saw to, that. <laughs> yeah, to insidiously get a Democrat, in this case, Joe Biden, elected to president in 2024 and to oust Donald Trump. So they've been planning this, I don't know, for what, 100 years now before she was born. Fox News and all the right wing media outlets are going nuts about this. It's it's so, you know, every day that I think they can't get more crazy, they get more crazy. The thing is, when Taylor Swift said last year, she told her young uh, audience to go register to vote, she registered 34,000 people to vote. Yep. Now, again, whether they actually go out and vote is a whole other thing. But the right is afraid that if somebody like Taylor Swift steps up and endorses either Joe Biden directly or just to go out and vote or Democrats or whatever, that Joe Biden's going to win the election as if he can't do it on his own. So now we hear today that Trump is holding a big rally with his celebrity superstars, which are Kid Rock And yeah, and Ted Nugent, (laughs) I mean, and he thinks these are equal, even though he just said yesterday that he's a bigger celebrity than Taylor Swift, which is insane. Uh, Listen, I don't listen to Taylor Swift. I know. I I know you do. And that's great. And I don't have any problem with Taylor Swift. I, you know, I I know a couple of her songs, but I'm just not a a quickie. I don't listen to her stuff. Not a quickie, a Swifty. It's a Swifty, not a Quickie? Because her last name is Swift. It's a Swifty. Oh, I thought it was Quickie because it was a play on Swift. There's so, so, okay, so I'm not a Quickie or a Swifty. Well, it, okay, never mind about that. Um, <laughs> but I have nothing against Taylor Swift. And what's interesting is they were freaking out about her getting 30 seconds of airtime at the football game, a three-hour football game. Yes. And they were saying, look how much airtime she got. She got 30 seconds. 25 I mean, if, seconds at that last game, yeah. Really? And yeah. any celebrity who was up there supporting anybody i've seen lots of football games where there are celebrities in the boxes and they film them and nobody says a word and i have to say i can't help but feel that she's a powerful woman and Mm -hmm. that's the main reason they're going after her if it was a man up there supporting somebody else unless it was a gay man then they'd go nuts too but i mean if it was a man they wouldn't do so much about it but this is a powerful and not only a powerful woman i think she displays a happy positive message and they don't like that and she's rich like and one she's of the, super rich the, one of the funniest tweets i saw was this guy who was like hmm he's you know, travis kelsey's gonna get seventy thousand bonus for being in the super bowl now we see why taylor's with him and everyone was like i'm sorry she's a fucking billionaire yeah, she's, she's not billionaire. with him for his money okay i mean she's <laughs> literally a billionaire yes <laughs> and she and she gets richer by the second. So, yeah. you know, good for her. She's a great person as far as I know. I don't know her personally, but you know, the fact that they're turning this is the thing about the political arena right now. It's it's not about issues. It's about BS. 
Yeah. This is total BS, and it'll be another BS story next week. And as I said, this is the most important election of our lifetime. So reducing it to a billionaire woman just because they don't like the fact that her followers listen to her is crazy. What about the followers that listen to Donald Trump? Aren't you annoyed by that? I love the fact that on Fox News, they were like calling Taylor Swift's Swifties cult people. They're like, it's like the cult right. of Taylor. They love her so much. They don't even think blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, okay, pot, kettle, black. I'm pot, sorry. Pot, kettle, black, I, exactly. <laughs> you guys are like trying to buy Donald Trump's old suits right now and like those NFT cards that aren't actually worth right. anything. But uh, that's, sure. that's the thing about the right, and it has been for a long time, the far right, is that whatever they're doing, they're accusing the other side of doing. So if you hear stuff coming out of their mouth, like it's a cult, it's because they're in a cult themselves. And we all know that is completely true. Did you see the truck convoy that's going down to Texas? No. It's this convoy that was supposed to be like 40,000 people. It is 20 vehicles now. <laughs> they are going down. They're driving down to the border of Texas. I don't know if they're there yet. By the time this airs, they probably will be. And they're going down, they say, just to witness the atrocities that are going on at the southern border, not to intervene, which, of course, they probably will intervene. But I heard on the news that the reason that it was so reduced from this thousands of people that were going to go to this very small caravan is because they were told or they believe they weren't told they just believe that this was a government trap to treat them like the January 6th insurrectionists to get them down there and then arrest them for oh you know God. doing something illegal so you know if we want to talk cult we know where the real cult is we we most certainly most certainly do okay so i i only have a one like another thing i want to make sure that we touch on today and that is because we're recording this on february 1st and it was going to come out on february 2nd and chris there is a holiday that starts started just a little bit ago at sunset of february 1st and goes until sunset of february oh, it 2nd. Did. there is not yep there is it's called imbolc and it is a pagan holiday and it is kind of has a fascinating history, and I want to share it with you. So. Can you spell it for us, please? Yeah. I didn't... I-M-B-O-L-C. In bulk. Okay. All right. Okay. So, of course, the joke is, like, where do pagans, you know, why do pagans do their, where do they go do their shopping at Costco? Because they like to shop in bulk. Oh, oh yeah. in bulk. Get it, get I was it, get trying it. to come up with a joke, and you beat me to it. Okay. I did. Anyways, so this is the point. We are halfway between midwinter and spring. Ostara is in six weeks, so that's good. It is named after St. Bridget or the goddess Bridget. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of a history lesson here. So there was this goddess named Bridget, Celtic, Gaelic, Irish myths, okay? She was like the goddess of wisdom and poetry and healing and protection and blacksmithing and domesticated animals and all kinds of stuff, right? Okay. And this is the time of the year where the sheep are giving birth to their lambs. And they, you know, you're going to have to make it through the last six weeks of the cold before, you know, it starts to get springtime. This is the time when you're starting to think about, okay, what are we going to plant in the gardens? And, you know, we're running out of meat. And so we got to make it through and all of that kind of stuff. Now, the Catholics came along and they had a St. Bridget. Now, you might have heard of St. Bridget. St. Bridget was a abbess. She basically started a couple of very important monasteries in Ireland. And you know how you become a saint in the Catholic Church is you got to do a miracle, right? Right. So right. Bridget's miracle was that a young nun came to her and was in as they say, the family way. I don't know if it was consensual or not consensual. We don't know that part of the story. But anyways, she was uh, she was a nun and she was pregnant. And St. Bridget laid her hands upon her and prayed that baby right away. Basically, she did some kind of abortion 
and the Catholic Church made her a saint for it. The baby disappeared. There's no more baby. Ah. Whether it was a medical abortion or a magical abortion, doesn't matter, man. This woman got rid of that baby and the Catholic Church made her um, a saint. So talk about hypocrisy, whatever. Anyways, that. Yeah, that's the bizarre little ironic little story. Isn't that great? Anyway, so then she became basically a saint. And like whether she was named after the goddess or like they they kind of merged together in all the myths and folklore and whatever. But that's St. Bridget. Anyways, so if you've ever wondered how all of that, if you've ever thought about that, gets us to the giant rodent living in Pennsylvania that's going to come out and predict the weather, right? Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't okay. know where you were going with that. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, because it's Groundhog's Day, right? Today. So right, right. we're recording this early. We don't know what the giant rodent predicted, but like this weird magical rodent thing that Americans are, you know, obsessed with. Okay. So I've always wondered because the idea is that if he comes out and he sees his shadow, meaning that it's sunny. He's like, oh no, it's still wintertime. But if he comes out and it's cloudy and there's no shadow, it's like, oh, spring is coming. And I always thought that was weird, right? If it's cloudy, why does that mean spring's coming? And if it's sunny, why does that mean that there's more winter? It just has never made sense to me at all. Well, until now, until now. Okay, so this is this is what it is. It's weather lore, right? You know, the old tradition, basically before the giant rodent got involved, the people used to watch to see if serpents and badgers came out of their winter dens. And out of their like hibernations, because then they would know, oh, it's getting warmer. It's going to be spring. Right. Okay. So in bulk, that's this today is believed to be where the divine hag, this divine hag, whose name hag, is H-A-G, hag. Yeah, a hag. Her name is Calarek. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but anyways, Calarek, she's the divine hag of Gaelic traditions. So she gathers her. <laughs> Get your Halloween costumes ready, people. She gathers her firewood for the rest of the winter. And legend has it that if she wishes to make the winter last a good while longer, she'll make sure the weather on Imbolc is bright and sunny so that she can gather plenty of firewood. Therefore, oh, people would be relieved if Imbolc is a day of foul weather like yesterday slash today, the 1st of February was pretty cloudy and rainy. That means that she's asleep and winter is almost over. So there you go. So that means the next couple of days are going to be beautiful and sunny, even though we're still in the middle of an atmospheric river. Is that I don't that know. Means? I don't know. I think that what it means is if it's if it's cloudy <laughs> and rainy on, on February 2nd, then that means that uh, more, that winter more, is almost over. Winter. Yeah. Oh, winter's up. Yeah, I don't get that either. Shouldn't that mean there's more winter, not winter's almost No, no, because no, she's sleeping. She, if she, She'd make it sunny if she needed to go gather more firewood to prepare for more winter. Uh, if she's I like, see. no, winter's almost over, I'm going to sleep through this cl- crappy weather and let it just be crappy. And what is the giant rodent that you're talking about? Pups the freaking Groundhog's filled. Day. Like Groundhog. The ground- yes. There you go. Well, you yeah. were saying giant rodent. I'm like, Ew. call it, give, give him his identity, please. I don't think it's Puxatani anymore, right? Didn't he die? I think it's some new Groundhog. It's Puxatani phil jr or something what, <laughs> what did you call her what was the hag name that you called her calic maybe calic calic c-a-i-l-l-e-a-c-h but it's like a gaelic word so i don't know how to pronounce that 
I well, gay it. is part of Gaelic, so we should like there that. There we go. So the gay hag comes out and the says. The gay hag comes out. And oh, gathers, I've, I've run into a few of those. Isn't faggot a word for a, a piece of firewood? No, faggot is a cigarette in Europe, in England. I don't know about it being a piece of wood. I think it is a piece of wood. I think that that's where a the. Piece, the... Well, I, it has been a piece of wood several <laughs> times in my lifetime. Let's... I thought you were going to talk about a fag hag because you said fag and hag. And I'm like, you know. Yes, then, a it, faggot of sticks equals a bundle of wood. So we've got our really? gay, yes, we've got our gay fag hag out there gathering gay <laughs> sticks. Oh my god, we got a. We, can we make a movie now? We got our <laughs> fa gay fag hag gathering sticks, gathering up the faggots. <laughs> Taylor Swift, here's your next song about the gay fag hag gathering sticks. It'll be a hit. It'll be something. Put it to It'll a beat. Be we'll dance to it. We will. Okay, that is literally all I have. I feel like that is a really high point to end this episode on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's where we should absolutely end this episode and maybe our podcast. There's nowhere to go from here. <laughs> Listeners, we're so happy that you are able to join us for this little trip down history lane over here. If you have an LGBT organization or business that you would like us to highlight, please email us at it's a queer thing, T H A N G, at gmail.com. Make sure that you follow us on all of our places. We're on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Like and review these podcasts and wherever the podcast platform is that you're listening to. That helps spread the word of mouth. And as always, if you have comments, suggestions, or ideas, you can again email us or reach out to us. And let me just say, if you want to see Sandra Bernhardt live in Fresno at the Tower Theater, it's on May 11th. So yep. go get your tickets now. You can find all that information on our Facebook page. Please join us for that fabulous show. That's right. And on March 9th, there is the Rise of the Villains event that is happening. And Chris and I will be there with a whole bunch of kickball players. We bought out three tables. So it'll be a good time. We're supporting one of our kickball players is competing. And it's going to be a good time. And we'll have the information about that up. Uh, there's still tickets available. Can't sit at our tables, but you can still sit in, in the back and, and support the show. And you can sit in the back and look at us. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. And uh, you can support the Fresno Rainbow Pride. Yeah, all this money goes to Fresno Rainbow Pride, which is really important. Okay, thanks so much, guys. See you next time. Bye. Bye. This weekend, so we get to get there early and put sand out in the field because it's going to be really, really yeah, muddy. I was going to say <laughs> we might have a tsunami this weekend. So yeah, so I mean, there's nothing wrong with a nice moist field, Chris. Oh, let's explore that <laughs> on the next episode of It's a Queer Thing: Moist Fields. <laughs> that pitcher's mound can get real slippery. Is all I'm oh, saying. Oh, pitcher's mound <laughs> on top of it. The pitcher's mound has a moist field. We got to have t-shirts made or something. <laughs> <laughs>